Well, welcome everyone. You are listening to Celtic Preacher and we are going to be looking at the teachings of Jesus. We're going to be uh, looking at kind of a well-known story of Jesus this morning. But I'll tell you where we're going with this. We're going to uh, we're going to be looking at how to live in a fearful world. We're going to be looking at how to live when storms come. This is what this lesson is all about this morning. It's Jesus teaching on how to live when storms come into our lives. Now, it doesn't really matter what storms they are. It can be relationship difficulties. It can be illness. It can be... Uh, Maybe you're worried about your children or your grandchildren. Or maybe you feel overwhelmed with the endless crisis that the country uh, goes through. Or the planet, the things that our planet faces. Uh, We're going to be looking at that this morning. Most of us have figured out my morning, of course, I always say this morning. might not be your morning. But, you know, most of us have figured out how to navigate the quiet waters. Right. So we can manage, you know, when everything is going the way we hoped, we can, you know, we can get by okay. But what happens when the storms come? So this is a fairly familiar passage this morning for those of you who have um, know anything about the New Testament, that Jesus is on a fishing boat with his disciples And he is crossing over to the other side of the lake when the storm threatens to capsize their boat. And the disciples are there and Jesus is there. But what is interesting is, as the disciples are panicking, the passage tells us that Jesus is sound asleep on deck. Sound asleep. And the disciples are fearful, of course. They're frightened that their boat is going to sink. And they wake up Jesus, not to ask him for help initially. Instead, they wake him up to get him into trouble for not caring about them. This is great. This is the line here. Teacher, teacher, that's what they called him, Rabbi. Teacher, don't you care that we're all perishing? It's almost like they're blaming him from the storm. Look at the storm. Don't you care? Don't you care? I mean, isn't that just a great line? Teacher, don't you care? Because, you know, it just seems like so often these disciples, they're so like us. You know, as soon as something happens that we don't like, that we feel we don't have any control over, it's like, God, don't you care? Are you there? Don't you care? And verse 39, we're in Mark 4 here. Verse 39 tells us Jesus wakes up and he rebuked the storm. And the storm is calmed and the disciples are amazed. So at first reading, you know, the narrative is showing us at first reading. It's showing us that Jesus can overcome all powers that threaten to destroy or distort or endanger us, right? All these miracles, by the way, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament for that matter, but New Testament, all the miracles about Jesus always give us more information 
than a simple one-time incident of calming a storm, right? So, for example, if Jesus calmed a storm 2,000 years ago, well, that's great for the disciples. That would have been a cool experience, but what difference would it make? What difference does it make for me today? doesn't really make any difference. Unless these miracles give us even more information that can help us. These miracles are more than a one-time incident of a, of a storm that was calmed 2,000 years ago. Instead, they tell us something about Christ. This is the one... This is the one who overcomes the storms of life. This is the one who helps us when we feel out of control. This is the one who helps us when we feel buffeted by life. This is the one who helps us when we feel shaken, when our security collapses. This is the one that helps us when we've left the security of the known shore and we find ourselves in the storm. Tell you an interesting fact that it's uh, you know in the uh, in the scripture the sea often symbolizes the the abode of chaos. The sea is not a good thing in scripture. That's why I think it's in Revelation that uh, John writes about uh, in heaven uh, there's there is no sea. Well, that's a horrible thought for us who love the ocean. Wow, in heaven there's no sea. No, I think what John's saying is. He's saying, there's no more chaos. There's no more chaos in God's presence. So when, when Jesus is calming this storm, it's even bigger than just calming a storm. He's saying, I mean, just by calming this water, it's almost like, a, it's almost like symbolizing that no matter what chaos comes, there is one who is, uh, what would you say, beyond, above that? In the, in the midst of chaos or utter hopelessness or unimagined fear, there is one who is calm. This is the one who was sleeping on the cushion on the boat. There is one who is calm in the midst of it all. There is one who is untouched by the threatening forces that we live with. And because God is all calm and, and all, all peace, that presence, that influence affects everything, even the wildest of storms. So the miracle is like a visual aid for a deeper reality. It's kind of difficult to, to, to get our heads around the, the teaching in a way because it's not necessarily something that we often experience. I mean, it kind of takes faith to receive comfort from that because sometimes all we see and feel um, are, are, the, are the threatening waves, you know? When we're going through a difficult time, when we're worried about something, when we're anxious about something, all we see are the waves. All we feel are the waves, waves of fear, right? when my health deteriorates, um, or when I'm in the midst of a bitter dispute, waves of anger, uh, waves of apprehension when I'm making a big change in my life or I'm beginning something new. Even if I sense that God's leading me to do something, it's, it can be 
disconcerting to move ahead. Waves of unbelief when I don't see any answers to prayer. Yeah, it's, it's, these are not easy, easy teachings in a way because they're hard for us to experience. You know, the disciples, I love the disciples in this passage because they say out loud something. Many of us wonder in the midst of any kind of trouble. Don't you care? I mean, what a common response to any kind of pain. God doesn't care. And certainly in this passage is showing us that's not the case. That's not the case. You know, storms, storms are a part of living in this world. They don't happen because God doesn't care or because we're being punished. Now, of course, obviously, we can make choices that cause us pain and we can make choices that cause other people pain. But that's completely different than God sending pain to punish us. Storms don't happen because we're completely off track and out of God's will and God is going to, you know, muster up some horrible thing to happen to get us back on track. This, the New Testament doesn't teach that at all. Nowhere you will you find Jesus teach that. So in this miracle, so far, and we've really just covered foundational uh, teachings here. We've, we've covered things like God is not the author of suffering. We've covered that suffering is a part of our world. And we've covered that when things fall apart, it's not because God doesn't care. All this we've gleaned from just this one passage. But there is something else in this passage that has intrigued me. And I want to dig a little deeper here with this whole business of Jesus sleeping in the boat. And I think it struck me this time because so often, you know, you can look at these passages and you can get the impression that you're going through a, a difficulty, uh, you pray, and then suddenly the, the, the storm is completely calm. But we know from our experiences that it just does not work that way. So if I'm going through a difficulty, let's just say I, I have a, a really important relationship. It could be my marriage, my partnership. And it's, let's say, my, my beloved wants out. Okay, it's the worst thing in the world that could happen to me. And I pray and I pray and I pray. And yet, that's the reality. That's the storm that I have to face. And we see this often in our lives, don't we? That we, we, we pray and we ask for things and yet there really isn't any change. Not really. We're still left in the mess. So I want to uh, think about this whole idea of Jesus sleeping in the boat because I think that there's a spiritual lesson here for us. It's kind of a strange line that the writer would tell us that Jesus is on a cushion, sound asleep in the boat. How can he be so carefree? How can he be so calm? Why do we have that line there? Why do we even have that line? I think it's a, these are really good questions. You know, when something strikes you as odd in the Bible, when something strikes you as unreasonable, then take note of that because 
it often leads to an, a, a valuable nugget of truth that you might miss otherwise. So if something seems strange, weird, wrong, it doesn't sit well with you in some way, well, it's like, don't just skip over it. Just say, what, why is that there? You know, why did the writer put that there? There's a reason for it. Well, back to Jesus sleeping. So here he is on the boat, sound asleep. Uh, the boat is threatening to capsize. The disciples are panicked. They, try, they wake Jesus up, which is what we do, right? The prayer thing. We often go to God and pray when trouble comes, right? It's natural for people to give God some attention when fear comes. And the prayer is usually, stop the storm. That's usually the prayer. Whatever it is we're struggling with, the prayer is, I do this myself all the time, it's a natural reaction to pain. God, stop this. In other words, change the circumstances. Do something. Do something. Change the circumstances. Now, there's nothing wrong with that prayer, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about another approach. I'm wondering about another approach. I'm wondering if another approach at certain times might be more helpful to us. What if the passage is saying, it's not so much asking God to calm the storm, but how about go to Christ and learn the source of his calm? In other words, Jesus, how can you be so non-anxious? How can you be so non-anxious? I mean, are you immune to pain? How can you, how can you do this? Are, are you divinely protected from human suffering? Well, we know that the answer to that is no, right? We know the answer to that because we, we know from the cross when Jesus died that that's just not true. Right? We know when we read the New Testament that he experienced grief, he experienced hunger, he was frail. He So it's not so much that he's immune to pain. So where does this non-anxious presence come from? Well, I'd like to suggest that Jesus sleeping in the storm is a picture for us. And it's it's, it's about that abiding peace, that abiding calm. You know, one of Jesus' sayings was, abide in me as I abide in the Father. Or abide is an old word. It's like remain in me as I remain in the Father. It's like what's true for me is true for you. It's the idea of Jesus sleeping as a way of saying, you know, there's certain times in life where you simply, you, you have to learn how to do this. You have to simply learn how to let go and completely trust. You have to learn how to trust God in this way. Even if it's contrary to all evidence, even if it's contrary to all circumstances, even if it's contrary to your emotions, especially if it's contrary to your emotions. You have to learn how to rest in this. There are times when things 
are completely out of your power to change or control. Right? Like storms. There are things that are just too great, too overwhelming to think your way through, to analyze your way through, to understand, to come to terms with. You know, when thinking leads to anxiety, it's unhelpful. When thinking becomes repetitive and habitual, when, when thinking is just a fear-based commentary, it's really not that helpful. It's like, we need to learn how to abide. Remember the old writers would talk about abiding in Christ. It's a necessity. We need to learn how to release. We need to, I keep saying learn because it really doesn't come naturally to most of us, does it? It's so difficult. That's why we're called, you know, we're called students. We're called disciples. A disciple's a student. This is why we're students. We're learning how to relax into a deeper reality. You know, we have to have spiritual exercises or spiritual reminders, spiritual practices that promote this. You know, we need to learn how to do this, sort of let, letting it go, reminding, you know, sometimes when you let something go, sometimes you're going to be letting it go a hundred times in an hour depending on what it is. Sometimes when you are learning how to let something go, you have to remind yourself every few seconds. It's not easy, but it's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. And that's exactly the kind of thing that the Spirit of God comes alongside us and says, I'm going to help you with this. I am going to help you Abide in Christ in the midst of the storm. Well, you've been listening to Celtic Preacher and we've been looking at the story of Jesus sound asleep on the boat as the waves and the wind threaten to capsize the boat. Talk about letting go. Talk about resting in God. Yes, yes, we want to learn how to do that. There's the prayer. We want to learn how to release and trust knowing God is in control. Thank you for joining me as we look at the wisdom of Jesus for the 21st century life. See you next time on Celtic Preacher.